0: Hashimoto's detox pathways, genetics, nutritional genomics. These are all the things we're going to be talking about today with my guest, Dr. Rika. Dr. Rika has been successfully leading women and their families to optimal health for over two decades as a board certified family medicine doctor. She delivered babies, she managed family care, and now she is a world renowned functional medicine practitioner. Certified and trained by the Institute for Functional Medicine, IFM. She's an international speaker. She's a mentor to practitioners. She trains practitioners. She is just an all-around rock star. She's an entrepreneur as well, passionate about empowering women leaders to optimal health and performance. Her ultimate goal is to empower women to optimal health and in turn have them empower their families and their tribes to optimal health. So we're passing it on. And she is going to pass on her expertise and knowledge. She has expertise in longevity and performance, autoimmune disease, nutrigenetics. She's the Hashimoto patients herself. She will soon launch the Radically She community. Can't wait. That's going to be a peak performance and longevity community exclusively for women to help them recover from fatigue brain fog, hormonal imbalances, weight gain, all of those things that you're dealing with to impact their lives, to truly improve and impact their lives. She sees patients at the clinic she founded, Simply Health Institute, which is outside of Chicago, Illinois. Please enjoy this episode and take some notes. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Dr. Rika, thank you so much for being on. I've been looking forward to that. I mean, we've been friends forever. So I've been looking forward to having you actually on the podcast forever as well and gracing us with your knowledge. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Dr. Amy, for letting me be on the show. I just love that we're both passionate about uh, spreading the message, you know, both of us having had Hashimoto's, which I'm sure we're going to get into, but it's just such an honor to be here. Thank you again. Absolutely. And yeah, how about I didn't even know you had Hashimoto's
0: until we started chatting more in depth about your health. So tell me your story of because most of my listeners are Hashimoto patients. So they want to hear your story of how you found out about it. What were your symptoms and then what was your journey like?
1: Yeah. So, you know, in hindsight, I would have said I felt good until I didn't. And, you know, that's true for all of us. And I think the tipping point was kind of going from medical school to residency right around there. And I was just always fatigued, like super, super fatigued. And in fact, there was this running joke that how quickly would I fall asleep at an outing? (laughs) And so, and so, I mean, I felt terrible, but I thought, oh, everyone feels terrible. We're all residents. We're all working 80 to hundred hours a week. Shouldn't this be normal? And I started to suspect because we could get our labs drawn like as often as we wanted as residents. So I was tracking my TSH and it was always three to five, but just below that upper limits and normal. And I suspected this. And the reason I want to share this is that, you know, I was afraid to go to the doctor because we were conditioned as allopathic doctors to do the workup 99% of the time, the blood work was normal. I'm sure all your listeners have heard this. Right, and right. then if it was normal to suggest that perhaps they were depressed and wouldn't they like to try a little Prozac? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was one of, sadly, I didn't have enough in my toolbox then. And I would not go see a regular doctor because I thought they're just going to label me depressed. So I was afraid. So if anyone in your listener that's listening today is afraid, you're not alone. So that's why we're here. That's why Dr. Amy has her podcast out to support you and say, don't be afraid. Just find the right practitioner. And so a couple of years into private practice, so the joke is I was able to stay awake long enough to have more than one date with the gentleman who then became my husband. But, you know, he would sit in bed and read the newspaper after eight hours of sleep, he'd bounce out of bed. And after residency, I slept day and night for at least three months. So it wasn't just the probably thyroid, then it was the adrenals. And, and I would like look over at him like, who is this guy who's keeping me awake when I want to be sleeping? And I would need 10 hours of sleep. And so I found a physician who was just a little bit more thought outside of the box. He treated one of my patients who had the same symptoms and the same labs I did. And um, he diagnosed her. And I was just really, really lucky at the time. He did an old time test. This would have been back in 1999 or 2000. So that's how long I've had the diagnosis. And it was a TRH stim test. So stress test for your thyroid. My thyroid flung to my um, TPO antibody was about 250. And he looked at me, he said, you've had this for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So here I was, I felt bad. I was afraid to go to the doctor. And everyone labeled me as lazy because I just slept like all the time. And I even fell asleep. I'm from Cleveland, where it's the home to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. A big rocker. I grew up listening to hard rock, love it. And so I got invited to go to the concert and I fell asleep during that concert. So that's Oh my God, it's loud <laughs> music. It's- <laughs> I was just exhausted. So he put me on meds and he told me two things. He said, everyone responds differently. And he was very um, out of the box in that he gave me combo T3, T4, which was, I loved. And I already felt like I was happy. I was even happier. And that need for sleep. So not only recovered my fatigue, but my sleep went from 10 to eight hours. I no longer needed that. And when my husband saw that, he was like, wow, I'm so sorry, honey. I just thought, you know, that you're being lazy as, and I know everyone and their brother. Right. And so that was the journey into being hypothyroid. But so whatever triggered that is likely to trigger so much more. And then it led to a plethora of things. So so the journey was really feeling bad, being labeled inappropriately, having that fear to be seen that you buy a doc because I'm going to be told I'm depressed. And I never, ever really felt depressed. And like I said, with the meds for me, uh, it made me feel very, very um, just even happier yet again. So if that was yeah, possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Instead of using
0: the Band-Aid antidepressant medications.
1: Yeah. 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 And so that segues into them. What was very telling. So as I, I always knew in medicine, I said, you know what, there's something missing. I knew there's something missing. And it was started with the fatigue patients. I couldn't cure. And there was a woman who came in who was very curious and we did the closest I could to a functional approach with her and we resolved her symptoms and it all was dietary. And I was strictly amazed because I was just her guide and she helped me guide her and she got better and better and better. I'm like, wow. And I always thought about it and always wanted to retrain. And I found an article uh, just before training in functional medicine, this would have been just over 10 years ago on glutathione. And I thought, wow, this describes everyone who's fatigued in my path. So what is this functional medicine? And so it led me to train, but you, you think I would have been tipped off with this. And what happened was, not only did i have hashimotos but i went on to have infertility um, i had a pretty significant pms and i wonder why sometimes people stay friends with me it was really only you know my partner and then my good friends that that wouldn't manifest where you're really super cranky and um, I had vision losing migraines. So one migraine that I had, I lost um, a vision on the outside of this eye and inside of this eye, and speech. So I thought I was having a stroke. Oh my gosh! I was pregnant at the time. I developed gobbler dysfunction. It just you name it went on on and on and on, and I didn't know like all the underlying stuff. So as I was, we had lived abroad for eight years. We were transitioning back. I was going to take my first job in functional medicine. I'd already done the introductory course. And the second tip off that glutathione might be a thing for me is that when I had landed in LA for the conference, I was traveling from the middle East and the representative, how, how is this for karma? And like the treks, like the rep for one of my favorite glutathione companies was standing there and asked me, he's like, aren't you excited to go home and see your kids? And I was, I said, but I'm not excited for the four weeks of jet lag that would follow. So it went from one week to two to three to four. And here I am like, in my forties. And I'm feeling like, I don't want to go back. Cause I know that I'll be dysfunctional for a full month. He said, go to whole foods, get some melatonin, reset that circadian rhythm. Right. And he said, here, take this glutathione one capsule twice a day, starting today. And I think I was flying in about a day and a half or two. I, all of my jet lag symptoms were gone within three days. Oh and my I, my I know. And so I stayed on it for a while And then as we were transitioning back, I started to feel really awful. I was at an event, my muscles hurt and I was tired and I had had my gallbladder out my right upper quadrant starting to hurt. It almost felt like I had fevers and chills. Like I had developed some sort of infectious process. Uh, I promptly, you know, self-treating and my girlfriend looked at me, she's like, are you okay? And it was my son's best friend's little birthday party. I said, no, I said, just let me just breathe through this. I'll be fine though. And so I did, and needless to say, I ended up finding a doctor and where we were moving in Boston at a major university. And I said, hey, my liver enzymes are like 10 times normal. And this kind of happened before. And when I saw him, I was, I had started work with a functional doctor. By the time I saw him, those enzymes had nearly normalized. And I said, I don't think I should have any procedures. He says, not on your life kid. Like you have all this autoimmune disease. You could have one of these other things. And they were entertaining autoimmune hepatitis. And I felt that bad. So if you've ever had your liver enzymes skyrocket, it's fatigue, look, like no other it's that muscle aches and pains. And here I'm trying to work out. And my, yeah, like, that was not the good combination. And I really felt like we did a celebratory trip prior to moving back. And I was watching my kids play in the swimming pool and uh, they were like five and nine. And they're like, watch me, mama, watch me. And they're doing cannonballs. And I'm all I could think of was like, I might die. Like no one knows why they're escalating. I'm in a foreign country. I can't get this addressed. And thankfully this gentleman who um, he had a training course in functional medicine was supporting me the whole way. And so it was just diet lifestyle. I turned it around. I even went on to appease the GI guy. I had the liver biopsy and everything went away. So the diagnosis of autoimmune hepatitis, if you don't uh, begin steroids, the risk of death or dying is 30 to 50% will die in three to five years. So you have a, almost a 50% mortality. And that was back in 2013. So we're nine years out. I never was placed on steroids. I haven't had a real issue. Now I have to be real careful Cause you know, without a gallbladder, you want to yeah. supplement and all that, but yeah, that was a journey. And then it wasn't until I really uh, learned the genetics, the nutritional genomics where I really could hone in on why was it that I got so sick and it was one simple thing and you're going to, you know what the trigger was, What? So I had infertility again, remember, I don't know functional medicine and I'm on the birth control and I was on an American brand called Seasonal Seasonique, very similar, ran out of it abroad and they had some generic substitution, it was just different enough where I didn't clear it and that was one of the key things that and glutathione is needed to detox your hormones. And I didn't do that very well. So I had mutations all the way throughout every pathway. And that was really the trigger. And even the GI doctor said, when I told her that I'd made that change, she's like, ah, oh, this could be it. This could have been the, the trigger. She's like, I've seen this frequently enough. So, so very, very careful, but I wish I would have known. And that's why I'm very careful too. If you're going to give a replacement, you know how someone behaves either through symptoms and labs or through their genetics.
0: Interesting. So you're conventionally trained doctor moving into the functional space because of your own pain to purpose story, which so many of us go through. And I find it interesting that you found that out through birth control because birth control is kind of thyroid tanking. Anyways, I always say, listen, if you need birth control for birth control, then that's one thing. And then there's so many other things that we can do, you know, besides the pill, synthetic hormones to, to create protection. But I find it interesting that you pinpointed or were able to hindsight pinpoint exactly what that cause was. And it was through your genetic SNPs, as we call them. And I'll let you describe to the audience what those are. Those mutations, those SNPs that really caused you to have a backup in your system essentially. Is that correct? That's a, yep. That's a perfect
1: summary. And you're right. Initially it was for birth control back in my twenties and thirties. And then later it was to control the endometriosis that resurfaced, but you're right. It was, (laughs) it was, it's such a vicious cycle. Like which one came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Exactly.
0: Exactly. So then as you're moving through as you, as a patient now, as a (laughs) conventional MD, you're an MD, not a DO, right? MD? Yeah, an MD. Uh-huh. Conventional MD moving through the medical system, no one's able to really kind of pinpoint what exactly is wrong with you. What was what was your aha moment? Who who was your your saving grace that said, Rika, this is what's going on with you.
1: Yeah. So, toothful. One was the um, the initial doctor I work with, but he just kind of gave me the prescription that I think if ever eighty percent of the population followed, they'd be fine. And then there's that twenty percent of us who have the things. It yeah. was really me, and it was a decade. You know, it was almost a decade of really doing the deep dive into every facet of functional medicine and doing all the extra coursework. And I joke, I'm like, stick with me, kid, like you don't need to spend $150,000 in 10 years to, to determine what you need for your, your body. Like I'll help you out. And because I found it. So it was really doing that deep dive in when I finally ran my own genetics. So here I am, like, I think it was like three or four years into doing genetics. I finally run my report. And again, like, you know, cause you shouldn't be your own doctor is, no. the, is the tipping point. Yeah. You should have someone. And I just talked to another, um, practitioner through, I just don't, uh, I just, my energy is tanked and we went through it all. And it it was clear there's imbalances, but there's a little bit of resistance. And I think there is a a team of us that were coaching her. And I think with the team saying, Hey, you you shouldn't be your own doctor, especially when you start to feel unwell. So we all need docs. We do. We all need guides.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can't think for yourself. Absolutely. Guides, I should say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, we all need, we all need guides, no matter what you're doing, whether it's learning a new skill or, doing a, a, a new lifestyle change or figuring out your health, you, you need you need that guy. Don't try to think for yourself. So with your Hashimoto's, what do you think, what's the one thing that you believe gets missed when it comes to your own Hashimoto journey or when you see other patients with it?
1: Yeah, so I think the thing people don't, uh, so whether it's convent, conventional tol- totally misses the mark yes. <laughs> from yeah. diagnosing it to treating it to everything. Um, And they wait just now, though, they did say uh, for uh, pregnant women, they've acknowledged that their doses need to go up in pregnancy. And they're actually, there's a determination of how to increase the dose before it was just check it every trimester. And now the latest recommendation, but, but from a functional standpoint, they'll look for the triggers, but if you don't do that deep dive, and I think it's, don't want to say, perhaps if you just know the surface knowledge and you're not, don't know the deep dive is I think it's really um, the way the toxins you're exposed to and the way you detoxify. And what I like to call it is um, the impact of something called oxidative stress. And what that fancy term means is think of when we cut an uh, apple open and it turns brown when it's exposed to oxygen. So that apple's breaking down when it turns brown and, you know, you can add your lemon juice, you can slow that breakdown. So there's things we can do that slows the breakdown and it eliminates kind of that exposure to oxygen, so to speak. So that I think gets missed and people should really know. So it's more than just like avoid and, and there's lots of things we should be avoiding, right? And right. so I'm sure you've done other episodes on that, but it's like, what is um, an individual person's ability to clear that oxidative stress? And um, the other thing I, I want people to know is that anything that causes inflammation, so things, sleep, stress, just toxins, not just toxins, if you've got um, dysbiosis in the gut, if you're depleting vitamins and minerals, if you're sedentary, solitary, don't have purpose. And all those can contribute to this inflamed state and in, increase that oxidative load. Um, but a small amount of, and what I refer to is like free radicals. So our body makes free radicals every time we make ATP. So that's a good process. And I think you and I were talking about earlier is that think of like that, um, the free radicals as guests that come to your house for a party. So there's some guests that are on the list and invited, and there's an out a time frame they should be there, right. Mm-hmm. And then when those and the really good guests will help you clean up. And so that's the same thing. <laughs> free radicals help you clean up. Bad bacteria, viruses, yep. parasites, pathogens. So think of it as the good guest. That's what, and but then you can have a bad guest. So you can have an unruly guest that gets drunk and breaks something, or a guest that shows up after the party's shut down. And so that's yes. <laughs> or someone that's not wanted, right? And they do destruction. And so it's when those guests and in within any household too, right? So if you have 10 to 20 guests over and your house will get a little less dirty. You have right. 50 to hundred, you know, so it's all that. And I, I think of it as our alarm system in our homes is once the guests are gone, you turn on the alarm because you don't want your unwanted guests. And that's why the control of oxidative stress is kind of this alarm system. It's it's saying, how do we clear it? How do we regulate it? How, we, how do we alert you to it? So does that make sense? What did you think of that analogy? Oh, I love, I love analogies. <laughs> I give
0: analogies all the time. So I I, I love it because it's, it's a way that you can actually Picture it in your mind, and then see kind of what's happening. Oh, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Now, when it comes to oxidative stress and Hashimoto's, what do you see in your patient base? Do you see just you can't optimize them no matter what med and dose you put them on, they still struggle with symptoms? Where you go, ah, what's going on with this person? And then you dive deeper and you look at the. The oxidative stress burden, the toxic burden. Dive more into the genetic aspect.
1: Yeah, you ask a good question. So it's typically the person that you know you're altering or playing the, with the dose, and you're just not getting it right, and it's vacillating, and so you wonder like what's going on. So that that's when I will do the deep dive. And yeah, um, we'll if it's okay with you, I'm going to back up and talk about um, SNPs and epigenetics and genetics in a general fashion. Yeah, Is that to clarify I that? Tell, I always tell people that the kind of genetics we look at are the ones that govern chemical pathways in the body, not the genetics that says you're going to have blue eyes or brown eyes so that you you can't alter those. And so we're looking at chemical pathways. And for most genes, you're going to get one copy from mom, one from dad. And if you have no mutations, we call that wild type. And the enzyme that the gene controls should work at hundred percent should is the optimal word. Um, now, if you have one copy that's mutated, potentially the enzyme works 20 to 30% less well. If you have two copies and it's works um, 60 to 70% less well. Now here's the caveat. Currently the studies they've done says that our epigenetics and that fancy term just means our diet and lifestyle can turn off a mutated gene. That's why it's like live as healthy as you can. There are two caveats. That I'm going to propose to your audience. One is if you are chronically ill, you better believe that those Defective genes are likely expressing, meaning they're likely not functional, that the mutation is real and you should pay attention. And two is there's a fear or worry that I have is that eventually our environment's going to be so toxic. I mean, everyone you test has glyphosate, which is Roundup in yeah. their bodies. Mm. And you know, we don't eat, we only eat organic. And our children, like we were in this just under the 75th percentile. You start to get bent out of shape when you're over a 95th percentile, but 75. Um, for my husband and I, I think just cause we're on the planet longer and there's ways you can clean that up. We, we eat all organic, but you know, we'll, we live on a, a golf course community and what are they spraying on that oh, grass? Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everyone's like grow a garden. And so now I'm in the process of looking at raised beds. Cause there's no way I'm putting any vegetables in the ground. It's just going to accumulate as a, you know, as a downstream effect, all the spraying they've done. And pretty much everyone, you can tell who sprays, So we get that blooming of dandelions, you know, right when the spring hits. And then you mow it down, and it kind of suppresses, and the blooms over, and then your lawn is so. You know, there's a couple of weeks. Our, you know, our neighbors are looking at us, but I don't really yeah. care. You know, like I'm not, I'm not being exposed. But I think you said, how does it manifest? Typically, it's the harder to treat, or potentially, despite good levels, they just don't feel well. And so you want to um, explore. Certainly, it's more than just genetics and toxins, and that's presuming that you've looked at all the other things that can make someone feel unwell.
0: Okay. Now I'm glad I'm glad you clarified that because I know a lot of people are going to go wait what what's this mutation thing they're thinking of some like grotesque monster like <laughs> maybe that is yeah maybe it, that is a, a good analogy too like your your DNA is just a little bit like man it's just a little weird looking like it's got a little mutation to it yeah. so it's not going to
1: work properly
0: yeah like ET
1: go home right they look funny
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly So now, all right. So we're talking about toxins. We're talking about genetics. We're pairing those together. We have to be able to detox our toxins. We have to be able to get them out. And so how do we do that? What do we look at? What do you look at with your patients in terms of those detox pathways and how effective a person is at getting rid of the toxins that they're exposed to like living on a golf course or if they're still not eating organic and they're still using bath and body wear explosions we have to be able to get that out of us right yeah
1: yeah so a couple of things so there's always the foundational I'll just give a brief cuz I'm sure your listeners are probably a little more savvy in this area but you know obviously hydration peeing pooping sweating you know and and once that's all aligned um and then avoidance and then when you can't avoid we look at certain genes so when it comes to pesticides and herbicides there's a gene called pon one p-o-n-1 so the name of the gene doesn't matter just know that some people can't break down pesticides and for those people it is utterly crucial that they eat organic. And that they don't, if they're living on a golf course, they're not growing their vegetables in the ground on that golf course, that they're growing it above ground so they can control the exposure to water and soil, et cetera. So that would be key. And then also foundationally, I always look at two things that sometimes get missed is one, you have to have adequate protein intake. So you need amino acids to which is a breakdown product of protein. And so you think about that. So you have to have a properly working digestive system. So it's not just taking in the right amount of protein, it's being able to break it down. And, you know, do you have make enough stomach acid? Because if you're stressed, you might not be. If you have dysbiosis, you might not be. That means an overgrowth of bacteria or other bugs or pathogens we call. And so that's number one. Number two is you're going to need glutathione. You're going to need B vitamins. So then we're going to start doing a deep dive. And kind of what I look at is when you have an accumulation of toxins is that you can get an accumulation of free radicals. So that's where I look at the oxidative stress pathways. So that looks at Thank mm-hmm. you. Are those free radicals causing browning of your tissues, like that browning of the apple? And so I'll look at a couple different pathways to say, "Hey, is there a backup somewhere of those unwanted guests? <laughs> they were wanted, but now all of a sudden they're not exiting the party." Because you ever yep. throw a party where it's an open time frame, and say you invite a hundred people, if all hundred are there at the same time, <laughs> then it causes a backlog. So that's what I'm looking at, and so we can do a deeper dive if you like. But that does that help um, frame? things. Definitely.
0: No, that definitely helps frame things. So I know you have a slide. So for those listening on the podcast, if you really want to see the slide that we're going to go over right now, you'll have to jump over to YouTube and watch this on video. But Dr. Riker, can you pull up this slide that you showed me earlier? Because I think that's really helpful for people to look at and then we'll we'll walk through it verbally. So if they are listening on a podcast, they can still understand it. I, and I have, I told Dr. Reich I've been hearing about superoxide dismutase SOD for decades. My mentor got deep into it. And I never really dove into that area of of detox pathways just because it was way over my head back in my 20s. And I just never followed the path to learn more about it. So I'm so happy that you're doing this today because this helps me understand the SOD pathway a little bit better. And the way that you explain it is just beautiful. So If you can see
1: Dr. Rika's slide, she's going to get into, yeah, take us through this. Okay. So, and I do want to give a special shout out. There was a same, we all have mentors that allow me to use this slide. He did not want me to reference him. So I won't because that's why there's no reference, but he graciously gave it. And is someone I've learned from, and I think partly because, you know, if you take it out of context, uh, it's a liability, but SOD stands for superoxide dismutase. Mm -hmm. And what I want to bring attention to is right here, there's a Uh, green box. And that green box is for the superoxide um, free radicals. So superoxide, remember I said, there are it's one of the top free radicals. A small amount is like that wanted party gas that helps you clean up and mm-hmm. uh, kills off any bad invaders. Just think like cleans your plate so you don't get sick from dirty plates that aren't washed properly. So a yep. small amount is wanted, but then um, you also want to be constantly clearing it. And the way you clear it is through the enzyme superoxide dismutase, which is abbreviated SOD. Now, if you have um if you have an overflow of unwanted guests or meaning all those things that cause oxidative stress high toxic exposure you're okay. eating inflammatory processed foods Yeah, all of that stuff. You you don't have adequate vitamins and minerals. You can get a backup here. But let's go on to SOD because you so uh, Kylie said, hey, I want to understand this. And we had gone through this. So SOD will help break down that free radical, the superoxide radical. And if it doesn't, you'll get that backup. Now, if it does break it down, it'll make hydrogen peroxide. And so, but that further needs to be cleared because so hydrogen peroxide, and I always, um, I'm gonna give the analogy, how do you know if you have too much hydrogen peroxide? And I was the stereotypic child for the having a backup because what you'll notice, what do we do as women? If you have a, say light Brown mousy hair and you want to go get nice blonde highlights, what do they stick on your hair? They stick hydrogen peroxide, but mm-hmm. what if they bleached it too much? So it'll strip your hair of all colors. And then you're, you've got premature gray. So that was me ding, 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 ding. In my twenties, I started a premature gray. And the second thing is that buildup of hydrogen peroxide can lead to acid reflux symptomatology. So So then that hydrogen peroxide needs to further clear to very neutral things in our body. So there are two enzymes that do that catalase and catalase brings it down to water and oxygen. So it doesn't affect our tissues and then glutathione. And here's where that glutathione um, converts hydrogen peroxide to water. And all of these all along the way need vitamins and minerals. So if you're depleting vitamins and minerals, it can act like the gene is mutated. And so for one of my glutathione recycling genes. So glutathione is an interesting antioxidant in that you can recycle it, meaning that once it gets utilized, you can restore it. So it can be used over and over and over again. Well, I don't have that capability because glutathione, the glutathione gene is very interesting in that the recycling gene, there's two of them. You can get zero copies from your parents. So I don't have any. So I'm already behind the eight ball. And my to take it all the time. So I do take it at a low level. And I've Mm -hmm. had this discussion with other podcast guests are like, isn't aren't you messing with the downstream effects? And so glutathione you can make from an acetylcysteine and glycine. So you can promote the formation, but I'm like you know what? I've already danced with really serious illnesses. And so I'll do a little bit. And what I'll do is, and I also um, admire some people who said pulse dose it in. So if I'm actively detoxing someone, so they're exposed to mold when I treat my mold clients, I'll support them fully. And then I tell them, you need to have some gentle support probably lifelong. And what that looks like is going to be different for you. So don't like willy-nilly get on glutathione. Right. And and so that's that's where I felt really good is that I've been on it. And then if I erroneously, before I understood all the pathways got off of it, before I understood I had such significant mutations, um, I'd get fatigued pretty quickly. So it's all this clearing of these free radicals, which can come about as toxic exposures.
0: Yes, definitely. Okay. That's very helpful. So, do you recommend that people stay on glutathione? Do you recommend that they go on glutathione unless they know their their genomics and their nutritional genetics of how this is all going to play out?
1: Yeah. So it's so individualized. So I'll try to give you kind of a general thing. So what I look at is, and what I didn't say earlier is, we look at symptoms. Mm-hmm. plus labs, plus yep. the genes. Now say, I don't know their genes. You can actually look at glutathione levels. So if any, so I'll look nutrients being deplete is the first it's in my, I have a 3d protocol, so it's diet and nutrients. So I'm going to support them pretty aggressively in the first three months. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk to about how we track things, how we make sure, and then we pair them down to what they need. So mm-hmm. if they've got really low levels and they're fatigued. And you look at their whole history and they're, their exposure to things because just because they're not aware. So some, a lot of people aren't aware that, Hey, those unclean, you know, beauty products, all my twenties, I use this, uh, Dove, um, oh, soap yeah. for the shower and it was full of toxins and yeah. and on and on. There were three products I've identified that were terrible. And then uh, L'Oreal eye makeup remover was rated mm-hmm. an eight out of 10 on toxicity uh, scale. So when it goes zero to 10 or one to 10, we all and, did. But, yeah, we right, all did. right? right 20, we didn't know, you know, we had
0: blue eye shadow and like, <laughs>
1: They Maybelline
0: foundation. Stuff. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, sparkly <laughs> stuff. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, we have to laugh. So if they're here History Warrants, so I'm, I'm right away optimizing diet. I'm talking to you about supporting the nutrients. So I measure. I'll measure glutathione in the body. And one of the tests I think you and I chatted about earlier, you can actually, it's a urine test. And I've seen it come back in the Dutch hormone testing, which you may have talked about before on your show. And it also comes back in the organic acid test, um, that I utilize. So one of the companies of the few that I utilize is the Great Plains Lab, and they'll measure something called pyroglutamic acid. Mm-hmm. And it'll tell you if the number's higher, it suggests that there's a higher need for glutathione. So you're looking for, is it not being made quick enough or is a toxic exposure? And Great Plains Lab has another marker that actually correlates its toxic exposure so kind of further identifies as its toxins or just not making enough so you're looking at it a bit indirectly if you don't know and then maintenance of it it just depends so the ones that have significant mutations have had significant issues probably weren't a small amount daily and just continue to live a healthy life and if they get into trouble where Say they have, you know, a bad infection or um, they're exposed unintentionally to a big toxic burden, you know, like just even go into if you, um, a lot of places burn coal releases mercury into the atmosphere so China's a big you know, a country that does this and it blows across to the U.S., but we also burn coal here too. So when we were in New England, it was pretty predominant. And so if you've got a big exposure, then you may want to think about increasing the dose and then taking a step back. But again, I'm working with, you know, I always recommend people work with practitioners so they know the exact dosing. But, you know, certainly if someone's fatigued, a trial for one to two to three months typically takes three months. Probably is not going to, you know, have the downstream effects or affect anything. Uh, but some people, just so you're aware, some of my very sickest patients. But there are other contributing factors. Um, one of them is limbic system dysfunction. We can talk to about another time. But they'll do very poorly with glutathione. So then if you're sensitive to a lot of supplements, chemicals, and really chronically ill, you got to be really careful. So for the average person who's not, then talk to your practitioner and say, hey, is a trial right for me?
0: Yes. Well, and let me ask you this too about glutathione, because many of my patients still have amalgam fillings in, because that's one of the questions on my questionnaire And I go into, of course, explaining how those amalgam fillings have mercury, mercury off gases every time you bite, every time you chew, every time you squeeze your teeth together, if you grind your teeth, God forbid at night, you're constantly off-gassing that mercury, which is not only crossing the blood brain barrier, but it's also affecting your thyroid function. So if someone still has amalgam fillings, do you not recommend glutathione because that can pull
1: the mercury out? The I use other agents. So I do not know. That's a good question. I don't think in all of my, like the chelation. So I do just by virtue of what I've access to is oral chelation for my patients. Certainly you can do IV. I used to have IV or IV chelation available to me at a former clinic. I just haven't gone that route. You know, it's like, how much are we going to, you know? yeah. And so glutathione uh, if anything was just to help support detox, but it's never that I'm aware of will actually pull. So I'm thinking uh, some of the other things, you know, EDTA, DMSA, DMPS. So the more heavy hitters. So.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, it's a good idea to get your amalgam fillings removed anyways properly so that we can do all of this detox with you. So, you know, super interesting. What if we want more sod? If we want more superoxide dismutase, I've seen, you know, companies out there that are that are pumping, you know, spirulina and this
1: and that, and it'll increase your sod. I don't know if that's true or not. So what what do you like to use Dr. Rica? so i actually go to a combo product that has both sod and catalase so one is called Dismuzyme, and i'm blanking on the manufacturer i think ben lynch the good dr ben lynch who does a lot of genetics and you know to be honest i first learned about the pathway through him so before i knew all the pathways i yeah. knew i knew a good chunk of them and he said to me at, or he said at a conference like his wife had rheumatoid arthritis And she, with the SOD for her, decreased her joint pain. And why do you think that is? Because you're decreasing free radicals, which cause tissue destruction. Mm -hmm. That's why it gets them. Uh, that thing. And in fact, when I presented this case, it was associated with a woman who she initially came to see me for um, recurrent miscarriages and MTHFR. And the poor thing developed acute rheumatoid arthritis right before she saw me, like in between waiting to see me and seeing me. Okay. And so we didn't know her genetics till after the fact. And I just gone to this Ben Lynch conference on nutritional genetics. This is about seven years ago. And um, I did my normal 3d approach, and then I said, hey, let's do a trial of the SOD. And she said, everything we did got her better and better and better. And I didn't see her for 18 months. And then she finally came back to me with the complete genetics and said, hey, I really want to focus on um, the recurrent miscarriage piece now. And I, and I was a little cringy, like, oh, I probably didn't make her better. I haven't seen her in 18 months. You know, why was I doubting? She was like, oh, rheumatoid arthritis. Ugh, I feel like I never had it. <laughs> it was so yeah. funny. And so one of her big mutations was SOD, and she also had that PON1 mutation, and uh, she was an American living abroad and would come back to the U.S. And so when she was abroad, didn't have access to these, um, you know, the uh, organic vegetables as much. And so, you know, there's things we can recommend, I'm sure you do as well, like humic and fulvic acids. So those will lower... Um, glyphosate and some of the pesticides. So we have, and then in fact, I said, you know, probably most of us should have a small dose of that because it tends not to bind all the other stuff, um, especially as the world grows more and more toxic. So true. So
0: true. So true. Well, that's exciting. I'm so happy you helped her because I know I see a lot of rheumatoid arthritis well in correlation with Hashimoto's because where you see one autoimmune condition, you see more than one. So you're looking at it and I love how we can combine our heads. You're looking at it from that you know, genomic piece and and the pathway piece. And I'm over here looking at it from a autoimmune beginning autoimmune piece. So it just, it's it's just so interesting how you can tie everything together. So, Dr. Reicha, so many of my listeners too have struggled with energy. As you know, most of the time with Hashimoto's, it's the weight. It's the I can't lose weight. I am gaining weight no matter what I do. And it's women that weighs really heavily on our minds. Yep. Second to that, and sometimes in some cases, number one complaint or symptom is low energy. So, you really do help people with energy. I mean, you're, The people you love working with, very similar to myself, are those high performers, those type A drivers, the high performing individuals that are really suffering, whether it's brain function, energy, um, whatever it might be, whatever their symptoms might be when they come to you, energy is, is usually one of the top ones because we need energy to be high performers. We need energy to be entrepreneurs and to be drivers and to be type A's. So you have a free energy guide, 10 days to infinite energy that we are going to be giving everyone that'll be in the show notes, but Mm -hmm. tell us your take on what are the top things that you look at when you're looking at someone's energy level being in the toilet?
1: Yeah. So right away, here's my theory too. It's my book that'll be coming out beyond fatigue, (laughs) beyond fatigue um, is that You know, I look at it as most of us as adults are, you know, we come into this world, vitamin and mineral deplete, and that comes from mom and dad, not because we want to, because even in the, if you look at the reports back in the 1940s, the U S Senate warned the American population and said, Hey, everyone probably should be on a multivitamin, multimineral because our soils deplete. So how many years ago was that over 80 years ago? And um, it's just gotten worse. And so every, the variety of depletions varies. And I'll tell you, I've seen everything from, I had a 90 year old who did really, really well until he developed bladder cancer. And why do you, what, uh, what do you think that is? And I'll tell you, if you can't guess off the top of your head.
0: Developed bladder cancer. God, I don't
1: know, bladder. He, he, he wasn't filtering his water. He wasn't filtering his water.
0: And No his water- kidding, something as simple as that.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. And He'll love that. He's being referenced. Um, I have a hashtag be like Frank. So Frank was 90 when I measured his vitamin and mineral status, he was this nice Italian guy that grew all his own food. He ate straight from the garden. He ate mostly vegetable, a little bit protein. So he had one or two vitamin and mineral deficiencies at the age of almost 90. He did everything right. So that's why it took until 90. Thankfully it was a self-contained cancer. Um, he came to see me cause I treated his daughter. She knew I could recover him. So about a month later, we got his energy and everything. So he, you know, when you're 90, you're exposed to the general anesthesia, just the yeah, insult to yeah. the body, not moving, et cetera. And so I say, everyone should be like Frank. So you have him. And then I have my anywhere from 10 up, I'd say from 10 to say 30 and they're depleting 10 to 15 vitamins and minerals. Mm-hmm. And so this starts with vitamin and mineral deficiency. So you can't make the cellular energy. You add in stress. So who doesn't have stress, especially our go get go-getters, the ones yep. that are the type base? Stress depletes magnesium and B vitamins, no, like no other. And the third thing that happens is you've got this toxic exposure and our mitochondrial DNA is not encapsulated in histones. And it comes from mom. And I joke and I tell people, blame your mom if you're tired. It's all on her. Um, But then the toxins come in. So you have vitamin deplete, stress chews through vitamins, toxins take out our mitochondria, you make energy wellness well. And it's like this vicious cycle. So um, I look at it real carefully and I, I determine if there's one, I always say hit their pain points. So I will do some besides the, I have a pretty extensive panel and I know you do too. We've, um, and our intakes are very similar. Yeah. So that's delightful to know that we're asking some of these same questions to identify where are their biggest areas. And I, I peel it away, you know, where's that big, big area. And, you know, I've even crafted, there is a weight loss program that works but you also have to—that I've, I've crafted—that takes about 20 pounds off people in six to eight weeks. But the important thing is you have to align everything. So I've—I've I've done it where you take people through the protocol. It's all whole foods. It does focus on the genetics, so that's the little unique piece. Mm-hmm. But um, if you don't have the mindset, if you don't have a purpose for why you're doing this, if you don't—I mean, if everything's not aligned, you're just going to gain it right back. Or if you're still under constant toxic exposure, I'll make you lose the weight. But let's—let's let's get everything lined up too. Beautiful. I love it.
0: I love mm-hmm. it. So, well, now that people have heard you speak, where can they find you? Because I'm sure a lot of them are thinking like, I want, I want to do my genetics. I want to know what, what these pathways are doing so I can do the right things. And let me add, save money on supplements. Because when you figure out what you exactly need with Dr. Rika, then you're not going out and buying 10 million supplements because you heard them on Dr. Oz or read them on a Facebook group forum or whatever. And you're just throwing everything at yourself, hoping to get better when in reality, you might have an effed up pathway that isn't even allowing that supplement to work. So sorry,
1: I digressed. How can they find you? Yeah. So my website, the D-R-R-A- J is in Jack K-A.com. So we have an energy quiz there, kind of get you going if you want to see where you're at with um, level of exposure. And, and so on the back end, we did take that into effect. I love to provide free resources. So we do work with people one on one. We have a group program soon. I'm launching a community, um, which will be super fun to kind of. So we want to be able to support people at all levels from, you know, hey, I need a little bit of help to no, I need maximal help. Awesome. That's beautiful. Well, we'll put all of your
0: your links and your info in the show notes so people can just click and find you. But this has been great because I've learned a lot. I know my audience has learned a lot and it's kind of opened up their their eyes and their brains to a little bit more than just, just the surface. You know, it's very easy to look at the surface stuff and the surface stuff I would include you know, thyroid and hormones and insulin. And and we look at the surface stuff. And then when we fix this, let's go deeper. Now let's really stir the pot and find out, especially with you tough cases. Let's
1: find out what is going. Yep, absolutely. That was a great summary. Thanks, Dr. Reika.
0: Thank you so much for bringing your knowledge to my audience. I appreciate it so, so much. You're doing amazing, amazing work. I can't wait for your book to come out. We'll have you back on when it does come out. And (laughs) yeah, thank you so much. And I look forward to having you back on. Yeah. Thanks again, Dr. Amy. It was a pleasure.